Hello, and welcome to Still No Plan. I'm Jordan Granger. And I'm Autumn Webb, and we are so happy you're here. Hello. Hi, everyone. Today, we have a very special guest who I'm so excited about. She is one of my best sister friends from third grade. We became friends, and she is a marketing wizard. She has gone on many a career path through startups to larger agencies to now focusing her work on a really breadth group of clientele. And she's going to go through her career journey as well as how she's found success being independent and finding boundaries on her own. And yeah, we're so excited to have her. Thanks for being here, Nat. I'm so happy to be here. Um, Big fan of the pod, weekly listener, and I'm just so excited to chat with you guys. We're super cozy right now. I think it's going to (laughs) be a great time. I'm excited to share what expertise I have with all you wonderful people. Natalie was also a special guest on our 10 Things We've Learned Since College episode. Um, She was one of, I think, the first people in the episode, so... If you want to go back and get a little teaser, you can go watch that episode, but we're going to deep dive in this one. Um, So, Natalie, if you want to kick it off, we all graduated at the same time. Actually, Natalie went to LMU, so we were all in LA at the same time and spent lots of time together our second semester senior year, but I'd love for you to kind of go back to your mindset in February of 2020. The world was normal. We were about to graduate college. And you were definitely one of those people who, like, had a vision and had a plan. I would love to know, like, what your vision was and, you know, how things went a little bit awry when COVID hit. I always like to think back on my fifth grade yearbook quote, which I think I've shown to you. I've shown to so many people. I think it's just really ridiculous and funny, but kind of as, like, the baseline for my interest in being like super career driven for I think most of my like young adult life but when I was what like 10 years old I looked like Tina Fey I had like a bob and glasses (laughs) and they go oh what do you want to be in like 15 years and everyone's like oh I want a family and like I want like a big house and you know really sweet wholesome things and my quote verbatim was I will be stomping around the Marie Claire offices telling people what to do and complaining about my achy feet from Louboutin heels (laughs) I didn't even own heels. I was very obsessed with Devil Wears Prada. I had this great vision of, like, I want to be, you know, hustling and in an ad agency. I was really interested in kind of, like, the mosaic mood board lifestyle of someone that's really busy and working in a creative field. And so in school at LMU, I was in the program called the M School, which I'm really grateful for. I think it's an incredible program, and it was super agency focused. So the last two years of school, I was able to get a lot of experience with agencies in Los Angeles, like Shiat Day and, you know, David and Goliath and all of these like really reputable places. I envisioned being a creative strategist or an art director, but I just kind of wanted like, I knew what the feeling I wanted was in, in my career. And that was like collaboration and creative outputs and working with really smart, great people. So February 2020 was such a fun time (laughs) before things. There was a lot of hope. (laughs) There was so much hope. I feel like I was with you guys all the time. Life was good. There was a lot of, like, optimism in the air. 
And I still think I thought I would be living in LA post-grad, working at an agency, you know, still kind of had that like dream. Um, and you know, we graduated in May, we stopped going to school in March. So I think it quickly became sort of fight or flight feeling. I remember my parents calling me when COVID stuff started picking up and it was like, we're clearing out your room. Like you can come home. Don't worry. And I was like, I would rather eat my own fist than like (laughs) move back. (laughs) Love you guys. I'm not coming home. So I think by some miracle, I just figured out how to stay in LA and worked two jobs for a year and a half. Um, one of which was with a brand I'd worked for for like six years, Sporty and Rich, mm-hmm. which was like my favorite brand at the time. Great brand still, um, but that's in like the fashion space. And my career, I think, coming out of school was has always kind of been like the right hand woman, like because it was, I just want to make sure that I can support myself and I can put my roots in LA and I need to be able to get my own apartment and like just quickly pivot and problem solve. Um, my work experience right after school was just sort of being like the right hand woman, like, which was really cool. We got a lot of experience in different ways, but it wasn't like, this is my job title. These are my exact duties. Like Mm -hmm. I had a very kind of like you know, I'm here if you need this. I'm here for photo shoots. I'm here for social help. I'm here for community management. Um, it was just kind of like juggling to make sure that I could stay and like build build a life for myself. So 2020 of February, February 2020, I was still like, yes, agency world, like living, you know, in LA. But then that quickly kind of just became, okay, how can I stay in LA and how can I support myself and make sure that I can at least just like keep the momentum going in any way I can. Yeah. And I think you, I mean, to your point of being the right hand woman, I do feel like that is a really great opportunity when you're at that age, especially knowing kind of who you are and what you wanted to do. Because a lot of those people that you were right hand women to were doing the things that you wanted Mm -hmm. to be doing. And so it was almost an apprenticeship in like the entrepreneurship kind of fast paced, like space to Mm -hmm. get a feel for how to balance abroad you know, scope of activities. And like, I do think it was a little bit survival mode for all of us there, but like, it totally makes sense. And I, I think it was a good launching pad for you. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, after that, I know you were working at a startup Mm -hmm. and if you want to get, I would love to hear a little bit about like your experience working at a startup in general, Mm -hmm. but then also, what happened in that experience and how did that come to an end? Because I know that I know it, but yeah, you were right there. That was before I started going to therapy and you were just, <laughs> I was the therapist. Yeah, the therapist. A dark time. Um, well, I was, like I said, so I had like two gigs pretty much. Um, and I wasn't technically approaching my work as like, Oh, I am freelancer. I'm consulting. I was like, I'm working for sporty. And then, um, I was kind of working, on a project base with this other startup that was also in like the fashion footwear space. Um, and I really enjoyed having a lot going on. I felt very independent. I was able to like provide for myself, um, in a way that I hadn't ever before. And I think startups are a really interesting, great space. And I think everyone has different experiences with them. And I'll touch on later on when we chat, but I work for technically a startup now that's Mm -hmm. really exceptional. And when you're looking for work in a startup space, you got to have great leaders and you got to have leaders that are really 
just obsessed with like taking care of the people that are supporting them and their mission. So um, I think that was like, there's been a lot of lessons in the past 24 months, work, life, everything. And I think for that one, I was very intrigued by like what the startup could be, but there was a lot of missing pieces as far as what's the day to day, what's the leadership like, is this really organized in the way it should be? And I think also being early in my career, kind of having like blind trust for people Mm -hmm. just because they raise money and just because it is a cool concept. And I have interest in the field of what their, you know, like operations are, doesn't mean it's going to work. And so you can be very intrigued by like the industry, some things in, but the people aren't obsessed with success. Like, you know, you want to make sure you're putting your energy in the right places too. So mm-hmm. I was working both of these, you know, gigs for like a year, year and a half. And then eventually I was just working for the startup and, um, they had got an office in West Hollywood, so I was able to drive from my apartment. I was like, okay, I got, like, a little semblance of life back of, like, get in the car in the morning and go to the office. Um, and my boss has actually left for, like, seven weeks or so during the summer. Red flag. <laughs> yeah. To go back to, like, where their family was living and stuff. And the day-to-day operations were being run by myself, my good friend Riley, who's, like, actually my little in my sorority years mm-hmm. still great great friend of mine and then um another girl who's like a couple years older than us like we were just running this thing and i think all <laughs> of us were just like yeah this is fun it was like the meme where there's like the fire behind the dog <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like that was so not okay <laughs> we were just i mean we were like fulfilling orders and doing like everything um and then end of august september yeah i guess it was like end of august mid-august last year we came in the office one day. Our bosses came back from their seven-week hiatus, during which also we hadn't had, like, a single meeting with them. Like, again, a lot of the things in my life I look back, mm-hmm. I'm like, why was that okay? <laughs> like, so they come back. We're like, hi, good to see you. And then we sit down for this Monday morning meeting. It's kind of, like, awkward. Like, no one's talked to each other in a while. Mm-hmm. And they were like, okay, so good news is, you know, like, what we're getting like sweet green for lunch i don't even know what the good news could have been (laughs) it was like bad news we're out of money so you guys are actually good to go after this like um because as of right now we won't be paying um anything and (laughs) riley um was in the room when this was happening and she when we were like telling the story i remember she said that she looked at me and i had this like just like peaceful smile on my face (laughs) because I think I was weirdly relieved that I was able to get out of that work environment. It wasn't like toxic. It wasn't stressful. It was just not a good fit. And it was not dysfunctional. It was just dysfunctional. And I wasn't learning. I wasn't gaining, you know, what I needed to be. Um, And then I think like less than 12 hours earlier, I had just ended the relationship that I was in. Mm -hmm. So I had this like really wacky 24 hours of life being like, big old reset button. And so to other people in the room when they were like, you have no job, it's incredibly stressful to hear those words and also to have no like, but we're giving you, you know, a package or whatever. Because yeah. you start up, they literally were like, we have zero dollars, so you guys are good. Like, goodbye. <laughs> but I remember feeling so weirdly excited and relieved because it was like, oh my God. I can't wait to see what's actually going to happen next. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And I attribute that to also being like a serial saver. Mm. So I, I wasn't scared about not having a job at that point. I just kind of been like preparing for the worst sort of like, I can attribute that to my parents. They raised me with very great <laughs> money mindsets, but like <laughs> I knew I was going to be fine. Um, I think I just had a lot of trust in what was to come. So it was an insane 24 hours. Like a lot of things just flipped on its head. But um, after that, like I feel like my life just really became what I've wanted it to be almost instantly with those two big decisions. Um, you know, one of them was my decision, one of them was not. So it was a while, but I kind of see that moment as like a big reset button um, for my mm-hmm. relationship with work, how I want my career to look like, and just kind of like life in general. I feel like it's also like that freedom you get from being told like this is over. is kind of the same as like in a relationship when you're mm-hmm. like the breaker upper, you're kind of like, Oh, should I, do I, mm-hmm. is it the right choice? Do it. You have like that guilt of like, what if, but when you're getting broken up with, you're kind of like, okay, I guess this is it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I have to pivot. It's the yeah. same with the job. You're like, okay, there's no option. And I kind of feel good about it. And let's mm-hmm. lean into how it kind of feels good. This mm-hmm. wasn't working. Like, yeah. Like when you reflect, like, actually, you know what? This is a good thing for me. So and you, you get told that and you said you're a little relieved, but were you also like, did you have the sadness? Did you have to like do the journaling and the crying? Was there a, a little stress or was it mostly all like, you know what? I have the world in front of my feet. No boyfriend, no job. I can go. <laughs> what could be better? <laughs> Dead weight, gone. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can do whatever I want. I can move to New York tomorrow. Like was yeah. that where you were or were you kind of, was it both? Like I also at the time I wasn't living in my apartment. I had like subleased it randomly for a couple months for these friends that needed it. And I was living at, <laughs> Rich and Jim, my, like, uncle's house. So there was, like, a month where I was just living in this big house by myself. (laughs) I didn't have a job. I started growing mushrooms. I was single. Like, I was just really (laughs) living my life. Um, There wasn't fear. There honestly wasn't fear. It was, like, pure unbridled eagerness of, Mm -hmm. like... I remember saying, I'm going to take two weeks with not even a thought about work of mm-hmm. searching for a job. Because mm-hmm. immediately everyone's like, what are you going to do next? And I was like, I don't know, but I know it's going to be great. And I know it's going to be exactly what it should be. And I just try to keep that mindset with everything. Is like, you have to believe and you have to trust yourself. And also, if you're asking the universe or the world for like, okay, next job, next relationship, I want it to be independent. I want it to be very well compensated. I want to have a lot of freedom. I want my partner to be incredibly supportive. Like you better be ready when that mm-hmm. those things start to come because I think a lot of people ask for it and then it shows up and it's like, uh, actually I am more comfortable with this like thing that I don't love that much, but I know what to expect. Mm-hmm. So I was just so down for like what new was things. And like, I was just really excited about what could happen. This is also kind of right when COVID sort of like released its grasps for real, like mm-hmm. in LA, you could, you know, go out more, go to restaurants. Like it just felt a little bit more normal, quote unquote. So I didn't have fear. I just like, I, I wasn't fearful that I wouldn't find a great relationship. I wasn't fearful that I wouldn't find a job. I just was excited and open. 
I'd love to tap in a little bit to this kind of woo-woo shit that you just said (laughs) specifically. And I don't remember exactly like what this timing framework was, but I do remember that you went to your astrologist who you're obsessed with (laughs) and you had like a crazy reading and then kind of all of this shit happened. So can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think it's just kind of a fun, fun nuance to the story. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely have a big part of me that's woo-woo. And I think I try to like taper that language sometimes because... I believe in all that stuff 110%, primarily just law of attraction and, like, if you write things down, they will happen. If you believe things, they will happen, like, and you can kind of take that into your own processes however you want. Mm. But I have an astrologist who I love um, that was a referral from Sabrina, and she's great. And I think I spoke to her, like, yeah, last August, actually, when I was home. Last time I was in Seattle was the first time I spoke to her. Um, Yeah. And then I spoke to her again, I think, in January. But anyway, she pretty much just, like, lined up for me that there was going to be these, like, couple months of just, like, big change and kind of, like, whatever you put your focus to, like, it's going to come back, boomerang back, like, tenfold. So um, end of last summer, that was definitely sort of thematically what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and didn't she say, like, lot? like, it was kind of, like, she was, like, it's going to be, like, kind of scary change but like Mm -hmm. good scary change Mm -hmm. like she was like yeah and I remember just being like oh that's intimidating and like you are dating this guy who shall not be named (laughs) and I was like I hope it's him I hope he's the lost (laughs) like and so like that ended up I think it was so fascinating because you called me and you're like this shit's crazy and I was like oh I don't believe you but then it like all ended up how specific does she get in the reading she just kind of lays out like we talked to her most two times a year. Mm-hmm. I kind of like to do it as she'll just paint a picture for the next like 12 months or so. Like, you know, these two months, it's going to be really great career wise, or you could get a promotion or a raise or, you know, like sh- she doesn't tell you um, anything that's like, you're going to open the door and like a green yeah. ball is going to fly out of the sky and hit you in the face or something. Um, but what is really cool and special is she has given me like certain dates that in retrospect I've looked back and they've been like my first date with Emmett or something was on this like crazy day that mm-hmm. you know I know it was a random Tuesday or she talks about um just different periods of time that I can go back and look at like wow that actually is sort of like the energy yeah. of what was going on um which has been really fun it's kind of like a fun thing to just do for yourself mm-hmm. like yeah I like doing the beginning of the year just kind of like lay out um what the year could look like I think now too post-COVID and having, like, a strong grasp on career now is, like, you can sort of bend time or you can look at time in a different way. Like, in high school, you can look at time for the next three years. You know, you're going to be on Mercer Island. You know, you're going to be in the drill team. You know, you're going to have, like, all these fun experiences. College, same thing. But now you can kind of look at, like, what do I want the next three years to look like in a way that actually feels like it's doable? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, like, you can kind of start to dream bigger and bigger and sort of look at time in that way, which I really enjoyed. Um, I do think, like, the readings kind of give you... You can lean into, like, your own response mm -hmm, to what's being uh told to you. Like, I mean, I totally am woo-woo, but I also like to look at woo-woo shit from a critical lens. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I think that that's one of the things that you can always get out of it is, like, if you feel like if something in your reading is like, oh, that sounds so exciting to me, like lean into that and like Mm -hmm. do things. And I think same with law of attraction, like when we've talked about this before, but like hustle culture versus like manifestation, like they're pretty similar. It's like, if you are writing shit down and like work, like 
notice taking note of your desires and making small steps towards them, like manifesting them, then they're probably going to come true. Same with like, if you just work towards them. Mm -hmm. So I feel like a lot of it overlaps with like, you're just putting yourself in the right mindset to like do the things that you want to be doing and like point yourself in a direction that you actually intrinsically want to be moving Mm -hmm. towards. Also, I feel like the universe, when you put that out there, like, oh, I want a new job or like a new relationship, the universe will test you. It's going to be like, okay, you lose your job. And if you lose that job and then you have this like overwhelming sense of fear, the university will be like, oh, she's not ready for the Drake mm-hmm. job yet. Like she needs mm. to be tested again. And they're going to, and then you're going to be so desperate. They're going to throw you a new job and you're going to take that job totally. because you're scared. And it's not going to be the right job. And you have that lesson over and over until truly you're like, I want my perfect dream job. And it's going to happen when it happens. And the universe gets yeah. you laid off. And then you're like, this is awesome. Yeah. And then you get your dream job. <laughs> I had like a big old smile on my face. Yeah, I think I said I, I was like, I'm going to take two weeks to, mm-hmm. to, to like recalibrate. There's, it turned into six months. I didn't work really for like a good six months. Mm-hmm. And those were debatably some of the most, if not the most fun six months ever. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's just like that mindset. You can't have like a scarcity mindset. You can't have like desperation. Um and, you know, that's not to discount, like, you need to make sure you're paying your bills. But I did just set myself up in a way that was kind of psycho. It was, like, doomsday prepping of, like, <laughs> if I don't have a dollar come in or something, like, I'll be able to pay my rent. I'll be able to, you know, cover the bills. Um, but I was just really focused on rebalancing. And I think that there's, like, such a great romance to life that is easy to lose if you're not dreaming and like manifesting and thinking about what do I want that's not I want a promotion I want these like linear job Mm -hmm. things like you gotta stay playful and stay like like just excited and you have to keep dreaming it and it's not about having only giant goals like I want to buy a house I want to buy a car which are all very important great things but like small goals like Mm -hmm. just I think tons of tiny goals like throughout your whole life will just keep the machine moving and keep like that romance to life alive Mm -hmm. also like a breadth i think you do that well especially now of like a breadth of priorities because and i think you were doing that well you were starting to set yourself up to do that well when you got laid off and that helped a lot because you weren't like this job is my everything like Mm -hmm. this is my identity this is how i spend my time this is like what my life looks like Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, I can see my life without this job. And, like, that is so much more visible. And to your point about money, I also think, like, there are a lot of ways you can make, like, I know Lauren Everts talks about this a lot. And I actually think it's, like, some of the best advice that she gives frequently. And I think about it often. (laughs) And she's like, I worked as a bartender as I was building up this super successful, incredible brand. And Mm -hmm. I knew that that wasn't making me money. But if I worked nine to five, I wasn't going to have time to build up this whole brand. And so it's, like... Even in that time, like, if you were strapped for money, there are other ways than, like, committing your life to another nine to five to Mm -hmm. make money to get through to, like, not feel desperate. And if you don't have that scarcity mindset and you don't feel desperate, you really will, like, get there eventually. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. I think that's great. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, I remember you were really thriving during those times and, like... You can go back to her TikTok and see, like, videos of her doing, like, leisurely laps through the Elm, like, listening to Elm John through her <laughs> uncle's pool, and I was just, like, working, like, <laughs> she would call me at, like, 9 a.m. and be like, hey, what's up? Like, just checking in. I was like, hey, I'm in a call because I'm working at my job. 
But yeah, so you got through those six months and then how'd you set yourself up for the next step? Did it come Mm -hmm. to you? Did you feel like you needed to go into it or how'd that all happen? It truly did just happen organically. Um, And I think a great piece of advice that ties into how I sort of found myself back working and really happy is just making sure that you're surrounding yourself with like the right circles of people and the circles of people that support the person you want to be and the career that you want to have. Like now I'm tech, you know, I think some people might say like, Oh, she's freelance. And the word freelance, I feel like sort of implies that, that the, you know, the worker doesn't have the power. It's like, Freelance kind of sounds like you don't have a job until... She's desperate. (laughs) And so I think it's actually a really cool way to think about working, um, you know, on a contract basis like I do is I work for myself and I get to choose the clients and the people that I'm giving my expertise to. And that's something that I would just encourage people that are looking to either have like side projects you know, contracting for other brands is like you have something really valuable that businesses want to tap into. And whether that's a small startup or like a VC backed company, you have the power and you're a partner with those brands. So Mm -hmm. you can be a freelancer, but you can also think of yourself as a partner with brands that you decide to work with. And I think that has been really helpful for me as I've kind of unintentionally found myself um, in that line of work is like, oh, I'm partners with these people that I really admire what they're doing. They really admire the work that I can, you know, provide and like we're working together. So it's not you're freelance, you're hungry for your next paycheck or something. Mm-hmm. Like all those little things, just the way you're thinking about the work weirdly has like an energetic, mm-hmm. um, you know, impact on like the people you're going to meet and stuff. And so, yes, to answer your question, it came naturally it was just through friends and through meeting people and, Oh, I have this startup and we actually need someone that's really savvy with TikTok and social and understanding culture and community. And it was like, well, that's me, you know? Mm -hmm. And okay, let's try this out. And then, okay, this is really working. And actually now I have these people that are really interested in this and they love what you're doing here. And it's just like maintaining those relationships, especially in, I think this line of work, um, anything that's really like internet based, which is so much now, it's all about relationships, um, Mm -hmm. working hard, staying humble and just like, yeah, keeping really strong relationships with smart people. Yeah. And how are you like setting yourself up for success in like a work-life balance way with all of this sort of thing? Cause I feel like that would be hard for me if I'm my, my totally own boss. Like you have, you know, six weeks out for this project deadline, but I don't, I'm so bad. I would be like, okay, five weeks out, I'm going to start on it. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to spend my whole life in this one week finishing it when like, that's not going to lead to the best end result. So how do you structure like your day or your week around a life where you're enjoying yourself and like taking advantage of not being, you know, a slave to someone's Mm -hmm. nine to five, but also like getting your shit done. Like what is a day in the life or a week in the life for you? to add nuance to that, like, when you love the work you're doing, that's Mm -hmm. like something I struggle with is like, for example, this podcast, like, there's no time where I'm not thinking about it because mm-hmm. I love it so much. And I, it's like, I see something and I'm like, oh, that could be for the podcast. So like, mm-hmm. where do you find breaks when you're like loving the content you're putting out and like loving the work you're doing so much? So how do you structure your boundaries and 
build your life in that way. Now I really do try to approach the day with a bit more structure of like nine o'clock I'm logging on and I'm working with the teams that are part of the brands that I'm working with. So I kind of, while right now I am technically like contracting for, um, you know, the brands I'm working with, like I do sit down and treat it and try to like get my brain in the right space. And also all of the businesses that I'm working with have incredible teams and so much of learning. And I think early on in your career is tapping into all of those resources. So before I think I was like a very isolated worker, you know, a year ago, year and a half ago, like I would do my work alone in my apartment, get the job done. But now I really do try to lean into like the organizations that are in place. I think that's kind of a funny thing that our cohort and age, um, unfortunately aren't going to get the full like value of is like, we're not in offices talking and, and there's so many positives to that. Like our generation has an incredible work-life balance, I think compared to people that are 20 years older. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do try to really like tap into the teams that are part of, because I'm not working for like a single entrepreneur or something. I'm working for organizations. So working with all those great people and like trying to refine my skills too, sort of in like a corporate way of like, it's important you have really good communication. It's important you know how to collaborate with teams. Like you can be a great, have a great set of skills, but it's a disservice to you to like be totally independent. So mm-hmm. that's kind of something I'm trying to embrace now is actually funnily enough, be a little more like nine o'clock log on, but I'm not working until 6 PM every yeah. day. Like that's kind of where my boundaries are is like, I'm down to work, but I'm not going to work from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. five days a week with no breaks. Like mm-hmm. Just to get your hour. Also, I think I feel like that's something you can work to get your work done. You don't yeah. have to work to finish the work day. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. It's not about clocking hours. It's about your outputs, and it's about making sure that you're like moving towards whatever the goal is with the organization or with what your specialty is. So I just think the idea that like you need to be clocking hours is kind of something that our age group is over a little Mm -hmm. bit. Like Mm -hmm. it's, are you doing the work? Are you doing a great job? And then make sure you're like enjoying your life too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that by prioritizing and having sort of like, um, you know, an obsession with your dream job, it kind of communicates to the people you're working with it. Actually, my life comes second. If you're so invested in a dream job, you are saying silently that your dream life is not really a priority to you. So I think that people actually really respect those boundaries in place, especially if you're still like a killer worker when you are like, Mm -hmm. you know, on the clock, so to speak. I think also just like workplace culture has changed so much, not just because of COVID, but also like pay hasn't gone up and they expect us to work like so hard when like before you'd work your 50 hours a week, but you could buy a house. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, okay, I'm going to work 60 hours a week and I can barely afford a Starbucks for myself. <laughs> like my gas. Yeah. <laughs> I can barely afford the gas. So yeah. that doesn't make sense. But how, now that you're like freelance and you're like building your connections, mm-hmm. people are coming to you. They're probably getting a lot of like word of mouth clients mm-hmm. too. How are you vetting people when they come to you? Because it's easy when you're freelance to be like, yeah, sure. Like you want to give me a 5k for this project? Like that sounds like a nice little check. Why not? Mm -hmm. But you seem like you're very clear on like sticking true to yourself and your boundaries and want to work with brands that like show that. And how are you staying true to like what you want to build as your own freelance, like 
brand for your own mm-hmm. little company that you have yeah. developing? That's a good one. I like that question. I think I kind of experienced the allure of the facade of like the cool brand, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. especially during college, you guys both knew me. I just had internships and jobs constantly, but I loved being kind of in the scene and the mix of like the coolest brand. And like, yeah. you know, if someone asks, Oh, you work for this brand. It's like, yeah, I do. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I was very proud of that. And I still am that I was like very focused on that in school. But that being said, now I care about working for organizations that are, you know, respectful to all their employees, um, compensate well, have like a great vision that isn't just, work-related, like, I think I just care so much more about balance in life that it's kind of easy to sniff out companies that are really cool, but I'm just not interested in if behind the closed doors, the relationships between management and the teams aren't positive. You know, there's just, it's kind of like, I think I checked that box. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. And there are so many cool brands out there, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you want to work for them. But finally, with like, TikTok and you know having kind of this other slice of the pie that's just like the Natalie show and like Mm -hmm. Natalie's world I get to be a little bit more like free-flowing and fun with like okay you know this brand is cool but it's not my like job day-to-day I'm not working with the teams I don't really have to like immerse myself so I think I understand how to separate great management and teams and ecosystems from like just a cool product or a cool Mm -hmm. brand or something that is like Mm -hmm. cloudy so yeah um, I want to touch on one thing that you kind of said, and I actually had a woman in upper management at my company call me out for this the other day when I was telling her about my job, like journey to the role I'm in now. And I kind of discredit a lot of my effort in it by saying like, it happened serendipitously, like this thing fell mm-hmm. into place and then this thing fell and like, I landed here and it's great. So like, I know that I mean, obviously there was a lot of serendipity in your career and your job search, but like, where do you also think you put in the effort that set you up for like a perfect moment to come Mm. together? Like what were the things that you did tactically that like led you to success? Yeah, I think it's been like silent work for years because like you said, oh, it just happened, but I'm not just in a line somewhere and someone pokes me on the shoulder and says, Hey, you look good. Like, (laughs) Like, there are a million steps that had to get to all those little perfect moments and, and, you know, relationships that are compatible in work and personal, all that stuff. So I think, um, in school, like starting in 2016, I just found people that I really looked up to and I made efforts to reach out to them. And I made efforts to like, you know, get in touch with brands or people like I just really enjoyed I think it was coming out of the Mercer Island bubble and being in Mm -hmm. LA Mm -hmm. it was like oh my gosh I can kind of do anything I want if I just like send an email and um I think that is something that really did set me up because you're just building foundations and reputations with people and while it may not be like okay check the box this is gonna affect me five years from now but I'm sure it did because mm-hmm. even now the conversations I have with people, if I talk about like different experiences I have, I am referencing things that have happened five years ago that like little Natalie just was really proud and excited about. But again, it's like having North stars, like it may change a little bit, but 
I think I've always just been really interested in like connecting with people that I look up to. And there's a whole world of people and businesses that all like know each other. And if mm-hmm. you're just a good person and you work hard and you're respectful and you're kind, like they're just going to praise you and like get you set up yeah. where you need. So I think it's just having like um, a good mindset on, you know, being truly interested in like meeting people and working hard. I do think that just like all of school, I, I just, I do think you did school yeah. really well. Like I remember we did school very differently, <laughs> <laughs> but I think you, I mean, even just the M school program you did was so awesome. And like, I, I think everyone says it, but networking is like yeah. actually mm-hmm. just the most underrated skill getting coffee yeah. with people and cold calling, like, especially when you're a student and you have the student card, like, yeah, totally. to be like, hey, I'm just learning. Like, people are like, fun. Like, maybe you'll be successful. And I can be like, hey, I had a coffee with that girl once upon a time. Yeah, like, totally. if there's so much opportunity and you're not a threat. And, like, there's so many good things for the person, the recipient to, like, be a part of. So And people love helping people. Yeah. yeah. I mean, how cool is it if someone came to you and was like, Jordan, Autumn, like, I love what you're doing. Can you know, can I grab 30 minutes of your time? Of course you'd say yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you would also be like a little soldier for whoever this person was. Yeah. If anyone needed someone that fit the bill for that. So it's like, mm-hmm. it's so simple, but you know, humans love helping others and also love feeling like they have expertise to give. So yeah. yeah, I think not being afraid to reach out to people is a very good one because yeah, people do want to help. I know Lauren and Michael are always like, don't ask me to grab a coffee. <laughs> and it's like, okay, yeah, some people think that way, mm-hmm. but also What's the worst if you you do email someone that's like a Lauren or a Michael, they just don't respond to you. Like Mm -hmm. if ever one day you did send that email to Lauren, then five years later in the same room as her, she's not going to fucking, she doesn't read those emails. (laughs) It's not like you're going to offend someone if Mm -hmm. you reach out and say, Hey, I look up to you. I would love if we could like have a zoom or like a coffee or something, especially in like zoom. I know Sean set up meetings with like CEOs of companies just because he asks and they're like, yeah, actually I will talk to you because people are nicer than you think sometimes. I sent one Instagram DM fall of 2016 in school to Emily, who's the founder of Sporting Rich, because I just, mm-hmm. and it was just this message. I remember I was in line at like a dining hall and I was just like, I just want to tell this person that I really admire them and that they're a source of inspiration for me in this like transition time. Didn't yeah. think anything of it. Yeah. That ended up, you know, six years of like really exciting experiences. And that mm-hmm. also ended up being the paycheck for me to get my own apartment in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. And it's not my, it's not my job now. And like, but that one decision in 2016, some way kind of like allowed me to Mm -hmm. have more freedom years and years later. So you just never know when like a person or a conversation or an email you send is going to actually help future you. Mm -hmm. And I think also just not having expectations though, because energetically, like we said earlier, if you're like, if you want something out of someone, they can tell. Yeah. yeah. And it also just sort of, if like... If it's, like, desperate and, like, yeah. hungry, it's, like, ooh. Mm-hmm. I think people, like you are saying, one, are so willing and will not hold on to it. Like, the the fear of failure on something like a cold call is, like, yeah. should be so low. Yeah. Like, it's not going to impact you. And I actually had a teacher who made that one of our projects for a semester. We had to, like, just cold call people, like, oh all week mm-hmm. for, like, the whole semester. But it was great because you get over it and, like... I don't remember who ignored me. Like, I have no idea. And it felt scary at the time, but, like, it was totally fine. Um, But, yeah, I mean, 
I would love to honestly have you back and do an entire episode on how you did college because I think mm-hmm. you did do it diff- like from mine and Autumn's like <laughs> USC sorority girl experience was a little bit different than like you. You were like much more active and like I think you did a really great job at like you said aligning to your North Star. Mm-hmm. Whereas like I felt a lot more wishy washy throughout college. I didn't yeah. know what my North Star was. North Star was the Nino. Yeah, my North Star was like <laughs> <alcohol. new. laughs> like, like where's that? <laughs> I would just come for a weekend. Literally. <laughs> well, my yeah. party pants you knew on. where your party star was. And yeah. we, had, we were the party you, star. You were living in it. <laughs> yeah. But, I, you know, I also look back at LMU and it was definitely a very bizarre kind of isolating time because mm-hmm. it is such a small school. It mm-hmm. definitely had some, like, weird, petty high school energy to it. Yeah. But, you know, I wasn't single once in college. I, like... I was just trying to... I was, like, a little, like, 40-year-old woman. Yeah. <laughs> like... You've always been a 40-year-old. <laughs> Hence the, like, kindergarten yeah, quote. Like, full circle. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on. Do you want to shout yourself out and your brands? And, yeah, you know, of course. Get some follows. Um, follow me on the TikTok, at NatGod, N-A-T-G-A-W-D. That's my fun little, like, manic diary. Uh, <laughs> you want to see thrift haul? It is really fun, I will say. I like to just keep it jazzy there. Um, follow Fallen Grape Wine Co., Pattern Brands. Um, you can find all the fun stuff there, but those are just a couple of the great organizations that I'm working with now that I love, and everyone a part of them is dear friends, very smart, and very cool. And if you ever want to chat or ask me questions, I'm here. Um, open for coffee. Open for coffee. <laughs> and um, yeah, thank you guys for having me. This is so much fun. Yeah, that was Ooh. so fun.